Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. I'm Matt Condon. And this is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things and what that means now and in the future. Awesome. I'm super glad to have uh, Saya on the podcast today. You've been definitely like an inspiration for me for how I communicate things to people. Yeah. And so uh, as best as I can tell, you are a designer slash teacher in the space making blockchain more accessible. Um, can you t- yeah, tell us tell us more more officially like what what you what you're up to? Yeah, well, thanks, Matt and Jonathan. Um, that's so nice of you to invite me here. Uh, but yeah, like most of my work in blockchain, um, I do around making it more relatable and accessible. Um, and that's something I do through my work at Bitski, where we have developer tools to make the onboarding experience and UX better. And also just doing like building visual explainers, um, workshops, just one-on-one conversations with people. How do you communicate complexity in a way that mm-hmm. it's more adoptable and mm-hmm. in a way where people then have the choice to decide whether that's something they want to pursue? So you're, you're coming in and helping people who maybe don't know much about the space but are looking to learn more and maybe they want to get involved and you're trying to help them figure that out? Yeah, so I do a lot of that with designers, um, with women, with students, uh, people internationally. You know, in my day-to-day, a lot of the work I do is with developers as well. So, and not only blockchain developers, but also just, you know, JS, iOS, people who are not even in the space um, to better understand, like, what it means to actually, like, bridge to the blockchain. Um, And so my day-to-day work, like, with the you know, it's it's very technically focused, which is really awesome because I think that's a huge part of the conversation right now. Um, there's so much like infra protocol apps, apps work going on. But on the other hand, outside of that as well, it's really kind of inspiring people and helping people gauge what the space is all about better so that it's not as intense or as douchey seeming as it may be <laughs> very good you're fighting the good fight the 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 de vacation du- <laughs> of it is like really important that's a good word yeah. can i ask like what was your you know what was your origin story in the in the space like what uh how did that happen yeah, for you so no, my origin story is not in 2009. I discovered Bitcoin. <laughs> um, so I grew up abroad. So I'm Japanese um, and I grew up in Myanmar. My parents did a bunch of work there in education and they brought baseball to Myanmar. Uh, you know, there's a lot of innovation education work going on. So after I graduated college uh, in New York, uh, I came back to Myanmar and I was managing the school. First started as an educator. Through that, I started discovering that I loved designing education and how people learned, not only for students, but also for teachers, for professional development. And so it kind of like intersected when I started thinking about, well, how how do you integrate tech into scaling things? And how do you, you know, allow things to happen that normally, like in Myanmar, they just opened up in 2012. Like without the internet, you know, without the affordability to go abroad, how do you bridge all these different opportunities while keeping current circumstances of people? And then it led me to um, Stanford, where I did my master's in learning design and technology. 
yes that is a real degree and amazing. it's amazing yeah um and then after that i uh when I graduated, I actually didn't want to go work at a big tech company. I was I was trying to figure out what it was that really excited me. And so I actually started my own company, um, designing learning experiences, traveling the world, working with different partners, um, and then creating like different tools. And through that, I mean, that was, that is awesome as well. I've like worked with like Cisco and, yeah, I was going to um, say that sounds you know, pretty fun. Yeah. NASDAQ <laughs> Entrepreneurial Center. It was like a blast. And it's something that, you know, I still have, like, I'm still working on, on weekends and stuff to like mm -hmm. further develop. It's kind of like a passion project is through that, that I actually discovered like more about blockchain. I always knew about Bitcoin. I was had, had some friends talking about it, but it wasn't until I finally understood what the potential was instead of the actual technology that mm, I was like, huh, yeah. like this could solve so many problems um, in especially developing countries and areas where, you know, like the need is there. There's so much work that is required for it. You know, you have some of the most intelligent people in the world, like in the U.S. and Canada, around the world working on it. And we are at we, where we are. So I was like, OK, we like definitely won need to be able to inspire more people to understand what the possibilities are mm -hmm. and two sometimes all you need is really a small spark to help people continue yeah. their own learning journey yep. so i was yep. like well right. what if i could just like you know work a bit in the zero to one um area mm -hmm. so once mm -hmm. people are at one they can just go in whatever direction they want yeah that that why uh, that you're trying to communicate. I think that's so, so important. Definitely, like, in my experience, when I showed up first, it was all about the tech, and I didn't really... I thought the tech was cool. I kind of came because the price showed up and then stayed for the tech. And mm -hmm. it wasn't until months later that I kind of actually got what I was working on and mm. understood, like, the kind of philosophy mm -hmm. potential of this sort of stuff. So, like, all the whole, like, monetary policy and all these different aspects of self-sovereignty um right and that's and, like yeah yeah and i also think like it's it's sometimes um i think this goes hand in hand with not only blockchain but in any space when there are people who are experts um the gap between experts and like novices is really wide that you're expected mm. to almost be an expert from the get-go the thing is everything it needs a gradual trajectory um right. a progression and feeling like it's okay to not be the expert um i think is really important yeah, totally mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what's really interesting about blockchain is 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 that <laughs> is that it, it, there are all these experts but also it, it sometimes feels like nobody knows what they're doing <laughs> what they're doing <laughs> you know yeah. And so I, I found too, like somebody, Matt, you were on this list too. Like someone tweeted out like a, a list of their favorite blockchain art influencers or whatever. Oh, I resent that. And they, and they, and they, I know, right? And they put me on this list, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, literally, if you told me a year ago that someone put me on this list, I'd be like, you're crazy. Blockchain is for douchebags, like, like you're saying, you know? The blockchain bros. Um, blockchain bros, and. And so all it takes, you're absolutely right, is a small spark, like a, a window into something that you're passionate about, 
Mm-hmm. You know, we've told I've told this story before, but for me it was CryptoPunks and it was like mm-hmm. finding the the world of people in the art space, you know, the creative people who are working in the space and find having that spark and finding your people and then suddenly a year later you can be an influencer. Yeah. <laughs> in you know, right. like yeah. you can be you can be a quote unquote expert. It's like I feel right. like I'm you know, I'm far from an expert, but I have a podcast about it, you know, and like right. mm-hmm. we talk about this shit every week. So it's like it's um, it's a really small space. You can show up and be the expert in, you know, a year and a half here. You you mm-hmm. cap out on the total some knowledge of yeah. humanity like very quickly right. in this space. It's like which is also like the amazing thing is that. It, it's so easy to cap out, but also at the same time, it's like, all right, but how do you like bring more people into it as well? Yeah. Totally. yeah, yeah, and and the fact that you cap out, all that means is that that's like the point at which no one knows what they're doing. I mean, all this <laughs> stuff, all this, right. all this stuff about that 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 you're into of of making it more accessible and figuring out how to how to make it not just, you know, a really complicated thing that nobody knows how to use, but something that, that every, you know, people every day are going to be interacting with. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's the point that we're at. And that's the, yeah. that's the point where everybody's pushing against and like trying to push it forward and go. And that's like, that's what makes, that's part of what makes it so exciting. Capping out definitely doesn't mean we know what we're doing. It just means right. that we're all on the same, all at the end. And we're like, oh, what's next? Nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's like when you get a PhD, they describe it as um, you know there's this circle uh, that is the total sum of human knowledge, and the PhD is is your little bump on the edge that pushes the boundary just a little bit further. Right, right. But here yeah. the circle is like just super tiny, and like you can just poke at it, and yeah. like whoop, mm-hmm. there's a gigantic new field. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we talk a lot about on this podcast about um, you know designing for humans and 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 making that whole process of like interacting with with blockchain things easier. And I'm curious, you know, I don't know how much you can say or can't say about Bitsky or if you just <laughs> want to talk about that a little bit, like where your thoughts are. Yeah. Well, firstly, you can go check out our site. Little shout out www.bitsky.com, B I T S K I. And I think it's really important because, I mean, I think every work that's been do- done in this space is really important because, like you said, it just pushes the boundary every time. So, you know, like anything that's been created so far, even, you know, even if there are scams, maybe this is unpopular opinion, is necessary in order to, like, understand what might have gone right what might have gone wrong oh, interesting. and how we like that's an move interesting forward. thought yeah um yeah because i mean i think it, it, it's like it's like a child when they first learn to walk right. you know they have to fall a little in order mm-hmm. to grow so you can think mm-hmm, of like mm-hmm. blockchain the space in general as a big child um <laughs> <laughs> more accurate than you know <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah right it's extremely <laughs> accurate yeah <laughs> So I think all the work that's been done so far is really valuable and important. And one of the things that um, got me really excited about Bitsky, too, is that when we think about adoption, we're not thinking about like 500 people or 1,000 people. We're talking about like millions of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Facebook, how many users does it have? Like billions of people. The two two billion. Right. So like when we're thinking on mass adoption, it's like quite at a bigger scale. And when things are occurring at that level... 
there's different things to take into account. For example, like ease of use, like purpose, um, you know, all these things. And and people are working more towards an improving this, like with the Web3 design groups and all of that, I think it's a, a recurring conversation. But it's really like, how do you just like make that initial barrier so frictionless? Um, and that's where we're working on with Bitsky. And that's where it gets me really excited because it's like, sometimes the first step, I, I love analogies, by the way. So by the end, you'll probably like realize this. But, <laughs> you know, like if you're going up a staircase, right? Like, if the first step is like three meters high, yeah. like that is really tough right, to go yeah. up. It makes you not want to exactly. It makes <laughs> you not want to go over or see what's on the other side unless you have like, unless you know what's there or you're very passionate about it. Right. And right. so, so it's like thinking of like how do you make these baby steps, you know, so that they can like move up and essentially allowing people to explore, experiment, be curious. And so these are the tools that we're providing for developers so that people actually working on dApps, people working on these amazing projects can actually have people who explore it um, without knowing what it might be. Uh, and so, yeah. So, I mean, practically speaking on the consumer side, it's like just like another hosted wallet so that it makes, you log in with Bitsky, it's like cross-platform, mm -hmm. cross-device, one-click. Um, you don't have to do 20 steps. I don't know if you guys saw the Mr. Clippy meme that I made about buying a crypto kitties yes but yeah. it's like <laughs> it's like 20 steps um it's like reducing that to one yeah um yeah and then on the developer side you have the app wallet which really uh yeah allows programmatic transactions on the back end and it allows for more complexities um because right now a lot of things are manual as well definitely explore our site um integrated we're also in the learning phase as well yeah i like that a lot especially the turning these 20 steps into just one maybe two of how to start you know you need ether to do this thing or you need like a wallet and so on it's uh mm -hmm. it really is the onboarding is, is really hard um but i like that visual a lot the uh the visual you also had one with um clippy yeah that's the one i was talking about the clippy one yeah and it's it's great it's like do you need help with anything else it's like yeah what is gas <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Know. Like, what am funny. i even doing this is scary like did, did it work what's yeah am i i'm just pressing buttons at this point like what's yeah. going on it, it's funny because so i don't necessarily think that i'm like the best like comedian like you know like i make these jokes and sometimes they fall flat but with that meme, when I wrote what is gas, I was like, man, this is like the most brilliant, like, it's a good one, you yeah. know, tech joke of all time. Yeah. I was pretty proud. <laughs> Very niche, but. And the whole thing is in the little clippy uh, Q&A bubble, but the bubble is like 20 pages long. Yeah. And it, it makes, it just makes it really visual, really obvious to, you know, just understand exactly how complex these flows are sometimes and like how just hard it is for someone with no experience to show up and, you know, understand what's happening. And, and I think also like there's, I mean, the internet, how long has it been like right. 20, right. 30 years? They've yeah. been so much uh, layered on top of each other. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's also um, building that comprehension. Like people now, like behavior is learned over time as well. There is a lot of behavior change involved with the new technology, which is something that I think will be one of the hardest um, things for consumer adoption. Stuff like, um, well, stuff like the what y'all are tackling with Bitsky is, you know, wallet being your own bank. That introduces behavior change. Uh, if you are your own bank, you need to have 
bank grade security, personal security, you have like these multiple devices with different permissions, there's no passwords, um, you might be juggling private keys, like, it's just different behavior. And yeah, right. And it's a lot of expectation up front. Um, and I, and I, it, it goes back to that point of like, uh, yes, it is important, like the new behavior change means there's a new paradigm. Mm -hmm. There's a paradigm shift in how people are addressing like current systems and infrastructures, but you just can't like jump over, you know, you back to another analogy. Hell yeah. Um, so, so far, so far we have a giant <laughs> child. Yes. And we have a giant staircase. That that child could climb the staircase. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a whole story out of your analogies right. before the end. Yeah. I know. So one of my, one, side note, one of my hobbies is to like write children's stories and oh, do like illustrations oh, and stuff. So yeah. maybe this is where it comes there from. There you go. Um, yeah. But it's, it's like, um, you know, people who, what do you call the people who do high jumps in the Olympics, you know? Um, uh, high jumpers? Yeah, high jumpers? Yeah. <laughs> or hur hurdles. I know. The hurdles. Yeah. Oh, yes. The one with the javelin, uh, they have the big long stick. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, so, you know, like, you can ask a pro to go a certain meter, you know, yeah, they have the right. skill, they have the knowledge, they have the technique, they have all of that, but, like, you get somebody who maybe like, I don't know, get a seventh grader and be like, hey, jump up this high. <laughs> and it's like, uh, like, wait, how do I start? What do I do? You know, right. I think some things are just really difficult to expect from the mm -hmm. get go. And I think that's that's also what human centered design is, right? Like you right. have to meet people where they are, where they are. Yeah. not yeah. have people come to you. And right. so sometimes the what I do see that can be kind of a point of tension, which is good because it also helps design move forward is that the idea of not being able to compromise the root values and philosophies for the people. Right. And and I think this is where like uh, the funnel kind of closes up because when you can't meet people where they are, and you see this with a lot of, you know, people who uh, just like outside of blockchain, like nonprofits, NGOs, like, People who go with good intentions to other countries, right. like, hey, like, we will, we will do this for you, and We're all of fix that. Fix your but, problems, yeah. Exactly, but when you are not meeting them where they are, right, you're not really fixing anything. Yeah. You're forcing them to try to adopt something new. I I, I want to mention that I, so I've been following this 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 token sale, which is sort of a weird thing to say, and this is this is very, actually very much related to what we're talking about. Um, so I listen, so I got. I started listening to this podcast called Zigzag. It's a really great podcast. It's mm. on Radiotopia, which is like the same people that do 99% Invisible. Oh, and, I love that one. And Criminal. Mm -hmm. It's it's a very, very, very popular podcast network. And so Zigzag is two women who left their um, job at WNYC to start their own company. They joined up with Civil, the, the sort of token curated registry blockchain consensus for news for news and journalists yeah and wait how does that work well yeah <laughs> so 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 i mean essentially it's it's a it's i don't know it's a, it's a yeah. group it's a group of of newsrooms it's like uh -huh, different uh -huh. newsrooms like like these these women at zigzag would be a newsroom mm -hmm. covering technology and there's they have a bunch of them spun up already and you know it's a token curated registry idea like they would get paid in tokens, I guess, right. and there'd be a, a way to like figure out what is in the registry. What are we I, curating? I, I, I don't know, but gotcha. but so so anyway, 
this podcast is really great. And they take you (laughs) over the course of like 10 episodes through their own process of learning about blockchain Mm. um, and learning about civil as they're even like diving headfirst into it and actually like joining up. And over the course of of this, like just a couple weeks ago, AP, like the Associated Press has joined civil. Oh, wow. Um, So it's it's like, there's, there's some real mainstream stuff happening here. Um, and a lot of what was happening with this podcast is they were getting their listeners to buy civil tokens and, um, the process of buying civil tokens because it was consensus and because they were doing everything, you know, as much by the book as possible, it was like the most difficult, complicated thing Mm. in the world. And, you know, we could have a whole separate conversation uh, you know, everyone knows how I feel about tokens. I know I pretty much know how Matt feels about tokens, and I can assume how you feel about tokens. Right? But, 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 but the whole process was insane. Like you had to take this like really difficult test. Um, a test. Yeah, a test. Like a driver's test. Yes, like, literally, like wait, a driver's what? test, like a multiple choice test on token uh. on token foundry, also a consensus company, with questions. You know, like what is a hot wallet? What you know, and like oh. and like you. You had to, yeah. and you had to repeatedly say and and like sort of state and sign an affidavit or whatever that like you are not looking to make a return on your money. You are investing <laughs> to to support the platform. It was like really, you know. Of yeah. course, since I had experience with it, like I understood everything about mm-hmm. like why they were putting up all these barriers. Right. Um, but it was so interesting to hear then. Um, um, these women come on their podcast and talk about the feedback they're getting from listeners who are like, we love you, we want to support you, uh, but this is bullshit. This is yeah. like, what am I even doing, you know? Right. Mm. Um, and the really, so this is a really interesting thing. You know, ZigZag has, I, I'm assuming, just based on, uh, you know, other podcasts on Radiotopia listenership, I'm assuming like, you know, in the orders of hundreds of thousands of listeners, big, mm-hmm. very big audience, mainstream, not crypto at all, right. you know, AP, and the token sale is not, is not going great. Right. Um, they're, they're, mm-hmm. the, the, the minimum that they're trying to raise is like $8 million, and um, they're, they're, they're not even to like $1.5 million yet, and it's ending wow. in like a week. Um, it. Yeah. And so I'm just so interested in this mm-hmm. in this cross section of right. a really mainstream token sale kind of happening mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sort of not going going well. And is the theory because of the severe case of onboarding being terrible? My um, my, I, I'd be curious like what they're gonna say the theory is. My theory yeah. would be a combo of that and mm-hmm. just sort of fatigue and just like mm-hmm. general ICO fatigue. Whenever you purchase something or whenever you get something, you're expecting some sort of feedback mm-hmm. like on it, right? Yeah. It's like, uh, I got a new iPhone. Yes. I can call people. The new iPhone allows me to do AR. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. I bought this Apple. I'm this gonna is totally eat it. true. You're ap- yeah. You know, right. like, yeah. at the very basic <laughs> level, like, there is usually, like, if you give something you like get something right, like right. you know and and i think that's the challenge with tokens is that because like tokens are it's like a, a new way of funding where you can like get money to build something to then return people but that like feedback loop is like takes a long time yeah and so gigantically large the, the time horizon is way too long yeah right. right so like when you're putting in something it's like oh you can't expect anything in return right. it's also like 
huh, well then why? It, it goes <laughs> right. back to the why, right? Like, why am I putting this in? And, yeah, right. and I think it, it's the same thing of like, when you have, well, this one can solve refugee problems, but this one can solve refugee <laughs> problems, but this one can solve uh-huh, refugee right. problems. It's like, well, are they any different? Right, like, right. why should I choose one over the other? And so at the same time, there is that fatigue, I do think, too. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. And, and this is actually something we talk a lot about, too, which is in, in, in our space, specifically like the NFT space, the why is a great question, you know, and it's and mm-hmm. it comes up all the time is like when you try to explain people why it's fun to own or why it's cool to own, you know, CryptoPunk, it's like, why? Right. Why? Like, what can right. I do with it? I, I paid this money for something. Now I just get to look at it. Right. Like, the feedback on that is not great. Like it's it, not great. Mm-hmm. It, I guess that goes for most digital things uh, where they're, they're intangible. You can't like, it's not the niceness of a new iPhone that you open the box and like mm-hmm. there's this whole ritualistic experience, experience with yeah. having right. something. And I think it's also like almost unpacking that a little because the why is a little bit bigger, right? Like, right. like we look at CryptoPunks, we look at CryptoKitties, you know, and like I think we get excited about NFTs because the bigger why is that true ownership. You should right. own right. exactly whatever you purchase, including digital You're goods. You're not owning a license to own something. You're actually exactly. owning it. Yeah. But, but it's still like that why is still so far between like people like it, it almost seems like the why is stuck in oh like i own these like crypto kitties to do something right mm-hmm, versus mm-hmm. like i think for people who might be a little bit deeper in the space it's like well i own these crypto kitties because i want to move the needle yeah. on this like true ownership conversation right. yeah i'd be very interested to see their mixed panel funnel like drop off ratio with that crazy onboarding to get the tokens yeah, um, I would too. And and I'll even tell you, you're absolutely right. Like about why it's like once I bought them, right? Like like and I this is the only token sale I've ever participated in. I'm only doing it literally I'm only doing it because I love the podcast. Like podcasts right. are uniquely situated, I feel like, because I, mm-hmm. if you if you if you listen if you're someone like me who listens to a lot of podcasts and you you know, it's such a personal medium, you end up getting very attached to like mm-hmm. the hosts. Um Hello, everyone out there. Yeah. If you're getting attached to us, um, howdy. <laughs> but 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 you know you really do, and so I I I feel for them. They're they're starting this business. They are putting themselves out there. I'm like I really want to support you, so I'm paying twenty five dollars, mm-hmm. like which is the minimum amount you can get to get however many tokens, and I pay the money, and then it's like it goes into a black hole, and then nothing happens, like literally, right. and literally, like I don't even get the tokens yet, right? Because right. I'm not gonna get them unless <laughs> unless they yeah. reach their their goal. So it's like yeah. And and so it's funny to people write to them and they're like, Can I just PayPal you? Like Right. You know, like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I it's... bet Kickstarter has the exact same problem of like intangible mm-hmm. um, like you give this money into this black hole and yep. there's right. Like, not only do you not get anything immediately, but you don't get anything for maybe months. And very often you don't get anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get really, you look at the angry comment section. Right. Um, It's there. Yeah. yeah, It is true. I think, like, especially when it comes to more so, like, physical products, I can, that does seem like a challenge, which is similar because it requires a lot of 
funding in order to build anything and so mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. that might also be a really like like good parallel right yeah. true yeah the kind of upstart costs in physical manufacturing right being yeah, similar totally. to um, oh absolutely oh that's yeah. interesting that is a that is a total parallel it's like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. don't start asking for the money until you've gotten to the point where you can really actually follow through right so right. perhaps we should start following them more uh, gradual raise approach with these sort of projects instead of raising eight million dollars on day one and that's the low end right they're that is like the low they're, end. I was they're, going to say, they're, they're like, high end is like i think like 26 million or something like yeah are those still happening course. it's still happening it's it's ongoing oh. from now until october uh i believe 15th so it's about mm-hmm. a week and you know they're only at like 1.5 and and um from what i read one address is responsible for like eight hundred thousand dollars of that, Whew. which is like, oh. and so I'm like, is that even? That's right. not good. Like, did that's someone just good. buy eight hundred thousand dollars worth of civil tokens? Like, that right. seems, that seems like right. the system is preparing to fail. Like, I don't know. That is a primary issue with a lot of the stake based things is that they they do end up as pay to win, um, mm. just because money is a scarce resource that is easy to keep scarce like it's it's not in my control whether or not the mint prints more dollars and right. the u.s right. so and so like gdp goes up whatever like so it, a lot of these protocols end up falling back towards uh like money as the sort of scarce resource right. that allows you to do things which is boring you know which is boring and dumb it's just like the way the way the world works now like what but it's also so uh, ironic you know because how like yeah if everyone like distribute a little bit of the money like better like there is more than enough money in the world to sustain right. every single human oh my god and, right and at the same time like you know with with especially last year with all these token sales like the same cycle of like people who have these huge amounts of money i, I think it's better because there's a mission because they're like okay like well let's redistribute it to like different places but when new money comes up it's never evenly distributed the future is here but not evenly distributed and the future is here and it looks a lot like the past yeah i mean that's a whole different economic question like can there ever be equal distribution mm-hmm. dot 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 you mm-hmm. know guillotines we just need guillotines hey, if it worked for france dot 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah dot 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 yeah it is it is a really um good question though is how do you distribute something yeah and mm-hmm. it's uh it's a really big question in the case of uh like equality and money in like the world mm-hmm. but it's also a right. question in protocols at you know the smallest fundamental level of i have say uh this digital asset in a game how do i distribute it right mm-hmm. um it's the same question and how you distribute something is super super important for the community that develops around it the society the just the whole interaction of the economy the system whatever you want to call it um distribution is like the foundation upon which that society is built and Mm -hmm. it's a really important question not just for nation states but also for protocols and games and really anything that has assets that are distributed. One thing we talked a little bit about uh, in the last episode that I liked a lot is like we can mess around with different ways of distributing Mm -hmm. um, that have sort of lower stakes, slightly lower stakes than, you know, than 
quote unquote real world. Yeah. And if you know, and if the civil if the civil way of doing it were like one person buys eight hundred thousand dollars worth of civil, it's like, oops, well that didn't work, you know, then <laughs> then maybe they could try you know, they could try something else. It also like kinda raises a question of people don't know what they want. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the kind of thing where if people don't know what they want, but at the same time what you're building could be like impactful for them, you know, like what like that relationship dynamic between like you can't really force people yeah. but at the same time like how do you bring them over to that journey where maybe they're like okay maybe this is what i want but i mean mm. this is the same it's the same like question for any app for anything it's true tech related. it's no different yeah that's very yeah. true gotta build true. something people want whether they know it or not i guess matt mm-hmm. did you is eth sf is that this week or is that when is that happening that just finished so you so do you have anything when... to report from uh from um let's see all i did there uh was show up uh give a talk at midnight deliriously um <laughs> it was unfortunately recorded so we'll see how well that went Ooh, all right uh, <laughs> and then just kind of hung out and talked about what people are doing um, I saw some cool projects, but I haven't checked out the results. So it ended last night. Um, so I should, I should scroll through Twitter and find someone with a, you know, here are the top 10 things from ETHSF tweet storm. There was some, you were tweeting something last night. What, what, what was that? Oh yeah. Yeah. From Satoshi. This is, I think this is my favorite thing that I saw yeah. was, um, some friends of mine made this thing called Satoshi. Um, so like one great name, like it's such a good name. It needs its own product. Um, but it is basically a voting game to decide what other people say on Twitter. And so given some stake and they're using this token called Tweeth uh, as the staking token, uh, you get to propose tweets for other people and Tweet. decide what they say. It's like earn.com if, if mm-hmm. instead of selling your own attention, you sold your friends attention thing and so, so all those great. tweets that you tweeted out that were sort of strange were right <laughs> were, were other people voting on exactly uh, voting on someone tweets. someone decided to use my feed as a advertising platform uh, <laughs> hey, but hey do it you worked. get to choose yeah do you get to choose what goes on your i mean at the end of the day it's a you know it's twitter i could delete it oh i see oh so it automatically does it yeah it automatically tweets um, I mean, if I wanted to reject something correctly, I could stake some tokens and re- on the reject button and um, hopefully overpower them. Um, I mean, I made some tokens I'm, by uh, oh. rejecting a, uh, a tweet that I didn't think was on brand for a certain <laughs> someone. And so I, gonna, I put some weight behind it. I'm going to read out loud huh. some tweets that yeah. were tweeted. Uh, Go for it. Quote, Matt Condon, each... Each inch I grow my beard is one CS degree. That <laughs> um, I should have probably gotten. <laughs> uh, I love Gitcoin. Yes. Someone, someone, someone made you say that twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Just you, to really sell it home that I really love Gitcoin. You retweeted Liam Horn, who was yes. made, to, made to say the Spank Chain State Channels should be called Mate Channels. <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm very proud of that tweet that's that's mine <laughs> oh you oh you wrote that oh, that's great. Oh, okay. i wrote that for liam yeah uh, that's funny. yeah so it's a cool it's a cool idea um and you get to probably ruin someone's online reputation through the power of crypto economics yeah that's fun i mean it's that's yeah. fun i like experiments like that where they just work yeah. right they're just like it's just happening now 
Right. Yeah, no, actually, it's good. I, I rejected a tweet about the Nifty um, TM conversation. Oh, okay. Someone wanted to tweet something about it, and I was like, 50 uh-huh. tweet says no. But there was some cool stuff at Ethosa. Uh, Austin Griffith was working on some stuff with Meta TXs and onboarding. They were doing this sort of progressive wallet, I was told, and I haven't been updated on how that went. But the idea was uh, instead of signing up for a wallet and being in charge of this um, of securing this thing that has no value. So you have like a mnemonic and you have to like keep that secure in case you use it in the future. It's this sort of progressive wallet where mm-hmm. as you use it, like the security you know, mm-hmm. concepts get more serious mm-hmm. um, until eventually you graduate to this full maybe contract identity. I think they were talking and you have like real you know money in it. So you secure it. I think that's important, like progressive wallet experiences. It's definitely something that we are also looking at because yeah, yeah I like, like that a lot. Yeah, you can't expect somebody to have bank level security when they have right. like nothing to lose. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like you show up and play a game once, and you've got like five dollars worth of items in it. Like you don't mm-hmm. need you don't need to print out a mnemonic and put it in a bank deposit box. <laughs> but once you're running like you know you're you're hosting TF2 hats that are thousands of dollars each, like. Yeah, put those on right. you know, three devices with different per- permissions and, and set up a little personal recovery thing. Can we, like, talk, though, about, like, yeah. I don't know, I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion on this, but, totally. like, we, we talk about, like, high security and all these things, but uh-huh. it, it still blows my mind that, like, paper and pen is the ultimate, like, <laughs> right. go-to, like, if all fails, like, yeah. here is your paper and your pen. Write it down. Probably on your, like, I don't know, your whiteboard, because you don't yeah. really understand what the value of it is. Turns out paper and pen really resistant against nation-state attacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. it, but it definitely feel yeah, I mean, when I was first told that, I, I definitely had that reaction. I was like, are you, are you, wait, are you being serious right now? Right. Like, like, this is what I'm expected to do? It's like... Putting LastPass on paper and pen. Right. Or, like, one password. Right. Well, I was told that putting your mnemonic into, like, a password manager is not a good idea. Really? Um, but I can't figure out why. And that's actually a bad sign from my, you know, I, huh. I, should, know, I should know why. Yeah, um, I should also I mean, know why. I guess it's a centralization thing where, like, you know, one password gets hacked. Well, all your stuff yeah. is encrypted. It's all, like, yeah. one password doesn't read your stuff anyway. No. And, so. you know, and if you're not using the subscription one password, like, they don't even have access to it. Right. Like, it's like, like synced through drive. Even, yeah, it's exactly. all just client-side stuff. Right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, maybe it's like once you let slip that one master password, it's not good to have your entire self-sovereign identity attached to that. Right. Don't um, let that master pass. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's still like a mnemonic is a master password that you're just writing down on paper and putting in your closet. Like right. it's a very, a very long one, yeah. Yeah, it's not it doesn't feel that that different than the one I've got stuck in my head that's like 28 characters and doesn't mean anything. Right. Like that's yeah. like I've committed myself to memorizing that and mm-hmm. that's that feels better than writing something down and putting it in the closet. But I don't know. I'm not an expert. No one is. Well, I mean, I guess I guess the thing would be right. Like, if anything happened to you, right? That would could, suck. Could, could your loved ones get access to the? You know, That's actually a great question, especially for the identity conversation. Right. I think some. I I remember. I don't know if this was an actual project, but somebody was working on like if you pass, then mm-hmm. the person your next of kin or whoever you assign would mm-hmm. be granted access to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, that makes total sense. But that's total still sense. a third party, though. Right. Yeah. Right. 
you need, need like a, a lawyer or somebody to like execute that right <laughs> imagine like lawyers become these experts and just, like, <laughs> i mean yeah the the decentralized secret release is a hard problem um but there are definitely people working on this idea of like yeah um keep this thing secret until like maybe you're not being paid anymore to do it like it's an economic mm. security mechanism um but yeah decentralized secret um, management is hard uh, slash antithetical to having secrets. I don't think it's crazy to think that lawyers will yeah. have a huge, you know... Um, they are legally required right. to be trusted parties. Exactly. Like it, yeah. it makes and, a lot of sense. And as I've yeah. been as I've been doing this, you know, I've been, I've, you know, I, I like, right, had the ex- opportunity to like explain, you know, uh, NFTs and my project to like my parents Mm-hmm. And they they sort of got it on one level, but still basically don't get it at all, really. Right. But then I explained mm-hmm. it to my wife's dad, who's a lawyer, and he got it immediately. Mm-hmm. And the reason he got it immediately oh. was because he's already had people come to him. Uh, he's an estate planner lawyer, and so people are oh. already coming to him with Bitcoin oh. and Ethereum. They're all right. like he already gets yeah. these, that that people are concerned about these digital assets, and so mm-hmm. explaining NFTs to him, he was like, oh, it's just another digital asset. Oh, I get it. Like it's. Yeah. It makes yeah. total sense to him. It might yeah. be possible to do these sort of things in a way that is more um, accessible to everyone. Like not everyone is going to have a, a lawyer to exercise their will right. and mm-hmm. so on. And so it's, I think it's definitely possible to do it. Um, the hard part is, you know, doing it in a way that, well, one, culturally is okay. Because um, yeah. mm-hmm. assigning like family members, it's not something you want to do is like when you send a friend request to someone, be like, hey, would you also, like if I died... <laughs> be cool with like answering some questions and helping move my account to my mom like yeah that's not uh, here, so. here's 20 steps in order right. to do it and also be in a really dark room right. where no one can see you right 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 wear right. a disguise and, and you have to see through the tears uh I, I did just die <laughs> yeah so, morbid yeah um <laughs> I wanted to ask, like, when you're describing something, well, when you're when you're introducing someone to the space, um, there are a bunch of things that you can talk about oh, yeah. to kind of convince them that this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I'm talking to engineers, I talk about it um, in the sense of like a database that no one controls, and that's like actually really neat. And right. we talk about how the code has this; it runs in this unique runtime that hasn't existed before. When mm-hmm. I'm talking to real like real people <laughs> when i'm talking to p- non-technical people i change yeah. that up and so i'm wondering uh how you do that as well and what sort of features slash aspects you um focus on when you're trying to you know to n- communicate like why this matters yeah well so depending on the level of understanding people might have like for example like if you have somewhat of a you know technical knowledge even though you're not a programmer or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, one analogy I like to use is Google Docs, actually. Mm-hmm. This idea that, um, well, for the mutability, actually. Right. Uh, but I mean, obviously, Google is centralized, so it, there's a lot more explanation there. But the idea that, let's say, like, you know, one Google Doc, you have like 20 people, like, you can see who's done everything. Oh, yeah. Um, That's a really so, good one. Yeah, and you, you have a timestamp, and so, and then, like, that's just a really good uh, concept to start to go in deeper, being like, totally. well, it's similar, but it's different in that now, like, imagine if, 
Google wasn't running it and this just happened on its own and we were all responsible for like, you know, uh, managing it. Um, and so that's like a little bit more complex. But another one that I like to use, which is even more simple, is mm -hmm. uh, an analogy of an ant farm without a queen. Ooh, okay. So the idea that you know how usually so an entire like insect bee or ant farm is run around the queen right. and so you can kind of think of the queen as like the central authority um and yes. so it's like imagine taking out the queen and all the ants kind of functioning um in accordance with each other in a way where it's a little bit more philosophical a little bit more conceptual right. um but then from then it's like okay you know so how does this relate you know there is no central entity that like runs all the the database the information right. of what we're doing at you know like any activity sometimes if they want to go into mining you know i actually do a reenactment like we, phys <laughs> we physically move yes. around you know i like um, that a lot yeah that's good yeah versus like maybe they don't really care as much about it you know right. um and now I think it's, it's clear, clear what the delineations in the space is. Like mm -hmm, people mm -hmm. might be really interested in the infra. So then mining is important and like right. just like understanding, you know, staking and all that stuff like that matters. But then if you're more interested in like the DAP side, like building an application on top of it, you know, like understanding that like you would still need to know like certain reasons why the network would be slow sometimes yeah. yeah i think those are some of my favorite um things to draw off of as well um i like i like the making them run around to yeah. explain proof <laughs> of work like very yeah. much you have to work to get this like right exactly it's very and good like sometimes you give them a math problem right and whoever mm -hmm, solves mm -hmm. it first goes to the button and they're like all right right like, oh that's great you know? yeah yeah like a little uh uh, American Ninja race yeah, slap exactly. the button because then you're physically understanding that okay if you have one person solving this math problem versus like five person five people in one team solving this math mm -hmm, problem mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. you understand computing power as well like okay the likelihood of this team like calculating it faster is maybe if one person is faster you can be like oh it looks like you're a quantum computer or something I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah no there are great ways to to like these just drawing to how things we already do. Um, I think board games are actually really great, especially mm -hmm. like there's one called uh, Bonanza that is lovingly called the bean game. Um, and so far, like every crypto person has enjoyed it because it involves uh, a lot of the same sort of uh, protocols. There's a trading aspects. So there's always this game theory mm -hmm. around like um, optimizing your trades and so on. I haven't heard of it. Yeah, it's it's really fun. You, you would enjoy it. Um, but I think it's a great way to teach um really mm -hmm. just like how to think about um, protocols and game theory. Um, mm -hmm. But this one I played the other day was, was really cool. It was this, you're given cards uh, one to a hundred and then, you know, you deal one card to this four people, you deal one card to all four people. And then the game is that with no verbal communication or like no like scripted communication, you place the cards down in order. And so you only know your card. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you have to just like look at other people in the eyes huh. and see who's more confident that they have the lowest card. Oh wow! Mm. And and it's basically a game of chicken on a team, um, but it's a really interesting uh, game theory like experience. What do you think are the sort of um, the features of blockchain? Like why why does blockchain need to exist? Um, that you tell people stuff like um, atomic swaps being good for solving some counterparty risk, like. 
um, interoperability in games? Like, mm-hmm. what do you what do you focus on? It always depends on the conversation, like the who right. I'm engaging with. But right. like, I think for the most part, um, in the end, it comes down to optionality, giving people the option to think of building on top of a, an alternative system than what mm-hmm. we are currently building on top of. And it, in the end, right, like tech is a tool. So, mm-hmm. so like. It, it, it's always thinking like even interoperability, like what does interoperability allow that you couldn't before, right? Like mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. more agency to the player, more agency to whoever is using it or like freedom to migrate. And that's just in the game context. But like mm-hmm. when you think bigger, when you think of, uh, you know, like a more, you know, like global idea, like passwords are interoperable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of providing alternative uh, solutions for for change that we want to see. There, there are so many structural issues. The American prison complex, like the prison system, we all know like how fucked that is. And mm-hmm. even just like um, sports, like amateur leagues, and just like uh, there, there are very deep rooted um, systemic issues that, like, and and that's the ideal vision that everyone wants to move towards right the idea that you can build a new system people are competing to build these new systems right Um, everyone sees everyone sees the platform of the future from from an outside perspective it's also like well it's important because you need all the data sets like in in pharmaceutical in the pharmaceutical industry you need as many data points to validate the truth um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so i guess like we're all kind of validating the truth in Mm -hmm. a way like when i communicate it's it's around that it's like thinking about how can this solve some of the bigger issues that we see in the world and we're not going to have it tomorrow we might not have it in 10 years but how can we begin looking at it and you know like understanding it that's good uh, yeah totally get people to get them thinking more about how they can use it to change things that they are particularly interested in and almost even like rejecting it too if mm, ne- yeah. necessary right i think like mm, yeah it, it's not all, always like everyone <laughs> has to be yes men like sometimes mm. maybe it's not right, the solution right, right? Like, like like those yeah. flow charts like do you need a blockchain <laughs> exactly yeah. that's funny that actually that totally didn't occur to me it was like yeah obviously <laughs> you need a blockchain <laughs> but you're right the no should be 99.9% of the case Right. And yeah. so, I mean, in some cases, too, like, does the Internet solve everything? No, no like, it's uh, like, definitely not. You know, you send these computers to these schools being like, oh, technology will solve like <laughs> the problems. And yeah. like they're not even used. Right. So. Right. Well, and as if from your vantage point as as an educational designer, it's like, you know, that probably better than most. Right. It's like has, right. has probably has very, very, very little to do, to do with the technology. But technology mm-hmm. applied judiciously and you know in the right context in the right way can be can be transformative as can you know books and you yep. know uh instruments yeah. and here's like one one last analogy but you can <laughs> think yeah. of like tech as like a, a megaphone you know a way yeah. to kind of amplify what uh, is the at the foundation but the foundation itself has to be rooted in the purpose and what it's mm. there for. Saya, do you have anything other than Bits- Bitsky? We can plug Bitsky again. Do you have anything else that you want to plug? Um, no. Uh, I mean, so definitely check out Bitsky. Would love to just like meet, you know, more people interested in this space as well. And the other thing too is like, if anyone is interested in learning more about the space in general or just kind of having a chat, like I'm 
also always open to that. So you can just find me on Twitter or Medium or wherever form I'm lurking in. What's your What's your handle? My handle is underscore I I W O K Ewok. Nice. I just want to plug voting. Mm. in the upcoming elections timely make sure you are registered to vote if you're hearing the sound of my voice double check and recheck because there's all these stories about people being purged from the voter rolls and um Mm -hmm. my wife last weekend went out for the first time ever and did some knocking on doors which is amazing yeah and i don't like talking to people so i i was i actually got in touch with my local swing district and i'm doing some video work for them so do things mm-hmm. and go vote, and that's that's my uh, special Absolutely. PSA yeah. of, yep. of the week. And that yes. is a good reminder for me as well to shift my my registration to a state that might have <laughs> might have an impact in. Where mm-hmm. are you from again? Uh, Louisiana. Oh well, then yeah, I could. <laughs> are there any? Are are you from a swing district by chance, or are you? Um, I don't know. I should I should check that out. Oh, yeah, I could I could probably uh, I could probably move back home and see if that would help. You can find Louisiana Matt on uh, yes. on Twitter at Matt G Condon. You can find me on Twitter Song a Day Man. I'm from Vermont. We're from very different from very different places. Um, thank you so much for coming on. This was really great, and and I think that's it. We'll see you next time. Later.